Welcome to Maddie and the Caddy. I'm Matt Barry. Today on the podcast, Billy Horschel is going to join the program with us from Arnold Palmer Invitation. It's a great conversation with him, including how he keeps up with his Florida Gators while he's on tour. Uh, Caddy and I are also going to hit him uh, on the field and talk about the field at Arnold Palmer. And Paul Azinger's strong words on the European tour, and Horschel weighs in on that as well. And a couple of things I need to note before we get started. Please subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend, tweet at us, steal someone's phone and subscribe for them. It helps us out and helps more people find the show. And finally... Check out The Right Time with Bomani Jones every Tuesday and Thursday. He only hits on the biggest stories. This week, true to form, he's talking about the NFL Combine and public enemy firing Flava Flav. Talk about a serious workplace issue. Download, subscribe to The Right Time with Bomani Jones wherever you get your podcast. But now on to our show in the moment Caddy squealed like a schoolgirl when Horschel met up with us in the media center. Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. Oh, what's up? This is awesome. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, who do we have here? Hello, hello, hello. You're looking for the short guy. You're looking for the short guy. I couldn't find them. Tan guy. I'm just proud of you. Did you see the socks that VJ has on today? No, I didn't. He got socks almost up to his knees. Oh, he shorts. does that all the time. He practices like that at home. Are you serious? Yeah. Like the old man, like he lives at he's the villages. Yeah. <laughs> he is an old man, so. But it's he's like, got halfway up his calf. I told, and they were great too. Yeah. So I made fun of him today and was like, I wasn't sure if you. But since the fashion isn't great, you should see what he wears sometimes at TPC. I'm like, I mean. <laughs> Hey, but when you're that old and you've been that good, it doesn't really matter. That's the thing. If you're that good, you can wear whatever you want. I still made fun of him and say, exactly. I told him I couldn't tell because you had gray socks on if you actually had socks on or you just needed some lotion <laughs> to rub on because <laughs> you was just ashy like my elbows. And he just, he laughed and F-bombed me. For those who, who don't know, uh, this Billy Horsell just came into the media center, jumped on headset, sitting down here for the podcast to chat a little bit, man. What's going on? Not much, man. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. You know, that, that's a good man who makes his appointment to be on, on the show and then he comes and finds you in the media center. Which I'm hard to find this week because like where they have me hidden. They have you hidden back here. I know. I don't think they're, you know, I thought you'd be out in the open with everyone else. I don't think they really want you in here. No, they don't want him. At, you in. They don't like Billy. They don't like claiming him as media. I can understand that. I mean, <laughs> he, you know, he's this, uh, different type of media person that, you know, I mean, he's, he's more, um, uh, players like him a lot more. Correct. And so, uh, <laughs> that's why I think they don't like him very much. P- players are more willing to talk to him than they are other media people. I'm going to tell you something. This man right here, he gave me the greatest compliment that as a journalist you can get. Well, you're not a journalist. For I know I'm not. That's the other thing. is He'll never call me a journalist because he knows that's offensive to me. <laughs> but the biggest compliment he ever gave me, he, we were doing an event for farmers, and we were talking about, like, journalists who had to ask oh. questions and do all kinds of stuff. And he said, you know, there are a lot of people out there that will criticize golfers and talk a lot of stuff about golfers. He goes, the one thing that makes Mike different is – we know if he's criticizing us or saying something that he saw that happened on the golf course, it's coming from a good place. 
and it's not just saying it just to say it. And then after he'll say anything, he'll always come on, walk on the driving range and look you in the eye. And now that's the biggest compliment you can give somebody to go. I don't mind if he criticizes me because I know he's not saying it just to say it. Yeah. I, you know, there's too many people in the media, uh, and listen, everyone's got a job to do, and I understand it completely. Uh, but for me, whenever I'm, if I'm going to be critical or something, I'm going to make sure that I've, I've tried to understand every viewpoint possible. Right. You know, I'm trying to look at through every, every window, every 360 degree view. I'm looking at the entire way around. Even though if I have an opinion right away, I hold off on it. Right. Get all the facts and look at everything yeah. as, as many different views possible, and then formulate my final opinion. And then I can, I can appreciate if you're going to be critical or, or whatever. Cause you, then you've done your, I feel like you've done your dual dil- diligence. You're just yep. not reacting right away, haven't understood the backstory or, or whatever may happen. So hot take. Every, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's different. Everyone's different how they want to do it. And at the same time, you've got to be able to, if you're going to say something that's going to be critical or come across that people may not like, you still got to be able to walk on the range and still talk to the person and be like, Hey, listen, I did criticize you for the shot you hit. Or the decision you made. Right. And, but here's why. But here's why. And if, if, if I'm always of the fact, that. right. I'm always of the fact too, is if I say something like that and you go, nah, man, here's what I did. You know, I'm going to put that camera up and go, yeah. Hey, I want everybody to know I messed up. And but, here's what I did. And at the same time, players at the same time get their, get their panties in and wad over some stuff that <laughs> I'm like, listen, you hit a bad golf shot or, or, or you right. made a bad decision, whatever it may be, or you said a stupid, comment like i've said enough stupid comments in my life you know as as uh, a tour pro and so i understand that and, and sometimes they actually did their job well and you just got your panties in wad and, and like hey get over it like he's right in what he said we were talking about paul azinger yeah yeah and the comments that paul azinger made then uh, um talking about the european tour and tommy fleetwood and how like westwood he got a little bit upset and said it was, you know, a little bit disrespectful to say, you know, oh, well, we know all about the, oh, the whatever with those wins on the European tour that it's everybody over here. We're here that's trying to win. And a lot of the Europeans and some of the European media got pretty upset with him. Yeah, I can I can see it. I mean, I saw the comments. I mean, I think I think there's a couple of things. The factual bases are right. That's the what I said. Bases are right. Yes, I think the way he said it and saying that European tour, <laughs> and I think that in, in the way that, listen, you still got to give Lee Westwood credit. He's won forty four <laughs> times around the world. I don't care how countries. easy, right? It is. There's no it's such still thing tough as easy. To win. Right, and there's still good players at those events. It's, yeah, it may not be as deep. It may not be as tough, but there's still good players, and you still got to beat the great, the good players at the tournament. And so I just think it's the word he said, the way his expressions were, and this and a couple other things that that just came across wrong and rubbed some of the, the European tour wrong way. Listen, I I I mean, we've talked about on the PJ tour. You see it a lot. You see a lot of guys on European tour who move up quickly in their world rankings because the world rankings over there, the way they are now, not that it favors them. But their events aren't nearly as strong, but they have to have – every event has to have a, at least a certain amount of points. Right. So guys can, can move up with and uh, – Quicker. Quicker because if the talent maybe isn't, isn't nearly as deep, and that's a right. fact. Yeah. You know, I think there may be a new world ranking system coming out here. You know, it's been talked about uh, in the future. Um, and so, you know, we'll see what happens. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, there's there's there he wasn't wrong in what he said. I think it was – 
But at the same time, he didn't give credit for for where, for credit, we, was where credit was due. And that's what you got to do a little bit. I think yeah. that's where he was wrong. You yeah, he almost credit. made it sound like all that cute little European tour over there. Yeah, and it's that's, all well and good. Like, exactly. Dude, just because you were the Ryder Cup captain winner, like, yeah, come on, man. You know what? And listen, we 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 get the chance to play around the world, and I've got the chance to to play the some WGC events. But I went to go play the Wentworth event over and uh, in, in England, the BMW their their version of the Players Championship. Their version, it's their biggest tournament on the European tour. It's been there for. Uh, been around for for 50 60 plus years and it's a great event it's a really good golf course and it, the the players over there are really good mm. uh, but at the end of the day it, you know he just it just came across the wrong way he didn't give credit where it's due and you know it you know did some of the guys get you know take it too seriously yeah but i can understand why are you trying to defend your home your your home turf and where they they start in the european tour mm. and the european tour is getting better there's no doubt about it but yeah it's there's a lot of different very facets in a in a bowl mixed up how things could have gone differently <laughs> what have you been up to you've been i got it for people who don't know like your story coming from uf and still living in that area kind of on the coast like this literally this week at the Arnold Palmer. This is a home game for you. Yeah, I grew up 45 minutes east of here in, in uh, a small town called Grant, Florida. If you don't know where that is, um, find Melbourne, Florida, or Cocoa Beach, and go all the way go south to the end of Vard County, and there's Grant, just uh, um, a little small town at the end of Vard County. And I, I grew up there, born and raised. My my uh, my dad's family's been there for 100 plus years, 100 years now. Um, Your dad, who has probably the coolest mustache on yeah, the Yeah, my dad's got my dad's <laughs> facial hair is, is is pretty good. I got a good uh, beard, but that it. mustache is. Hey, well, you know, he's got the mustache and he does a Fu Manchu. He yeah. switches it up. What he does, he's got. I think he's got the handlebars going on right now. <laughs> you got to keep people guessing. Um, yeah, you know what? And I, I I tell people people ask me where I get my fashion sense from and or why I wear some of these crazy stuff. And it's a little bit of my dad. I mean, it's it's what he is and. He's not afraid to, to wear some crazy stuff or do some crazy things. It's what he's always done, and it's been fun. Um, uh, but, yeah, so this is a home game. I, I came over here in, in high school and used to caddy um, in the Pro-Am. That was one of the things that uh, being on the high school golf team, you know, a lot of the high school golf teams in the area or nearby could come over, and we would pick up a bag. They would caddy for us. Or That's we would awesome. caddy with them. So, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, so yeah, I've been coming to this event and this is a home, home event. I mean, I think any event in the state of Florida, I feel is a home event for me. Yeah. You yeah. love this Florida swings. We, we go out West for a while and then, and now we, we have this tournament. We've got the players coming up. Uh, you've got Tampa, Valspard and, and all of that fun. The Florida swing to me almost feels like it's when the season really, really gets started. I, I would agree because I think, uh, when you look at it, uh, you get the European tour players to go over and play in the Middle East. Um, some great events over there. I have not been over there, but they are fantastic events with really strong fields. And then you get to Florida and you get everyone's back here in Florida. The European tour guys are back here for a few months now. Um, the top stars are starting to play more regularly now. Um, and, and, you know, we got the players championship here next week. A couple weeks later, we got the masters. A couple weeks later, we got PGA, <laughs> PGA and then we yeah. got US open. And so now we're into the stretch of like, Hey, here's where we go. Time to get this uh, the season going. It's it's going to come fast and hard, and uh, let's get it going. You, we were talking about this condensed schedule too, and how it affects how guys are playing. How has the condensed schedule affected how you've had to change kind of some places that you might play or might not play? Yeah, it's uh, 
it hasn't changed my schedule too much. Last year I did, I did, uh, last year WC Mexico started a run of nine out of ten, which oh. was, I did four in a row, week off, five in a row, and that was a lot. Um, and this year I'm not able to play Valero, uh, an event I've played very well in the past, an awesome golf tournament. It's run very well by Larson and, and Taylor Ives and the group that, that runs that event. Unbelievable. Um, and I'm not able to play this year. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how the schedule is going to play out in the future. I know, uh, the next three years, there's one less week before, uh, from the start of the year to the Masters. So a couple of events are going to be moved around. So once again, we're going to have a, a changing schedule and tournament schedule. Um, it's, it, I like it though. I, I, to tell you the truth, it would be the ideal situation would be if when we finished in August, there was no more golf the rest huh. of the year. Wow. So who's, who I, said that? Which which half of this podcast is that? Caddy's an oh, idiot. Oh, here we First go. First of all, here we go. He thinks the players hate the new schedule. He hates the new schedule, and he says that there should. I be don't golf. hate it. Yes, you do. You've you've bitched about it since <laughs> the inception of the new schedule, and he hates he hates that I say that golf should be done the second football season starts. Yeah, you know, I I I, I agree, and I think. Um, the majority of top players, and, and I can't speak for all the players because I know all the players don't feel this way, but if you said, hey, we're going to play from beginning of January all the way through August, and and that's going to be it, or maybe mid-September and be done, then that'd be fine. Uh, you know, the fall events are great events, and I play in the fall, and they're unbelievable events. Um, but I think uh, for the top guys, you know, the tour wants us to play um, – as much as possible and support the PJ tour and support these events, but it, it comes at a cost. And, you know, we're very fortunate now that we make a lot of money. We are very fortunate in that. And so we don't need to play a ton. And now that a lot of us are sort of getting that age, um, and, I, and listen, I'm not putting myself in the top tier of guys. I'm probably the next tier of top players. Uh, but, um, we're having families. And we want to spend more time with, with our kids and, and it's just becoming tougher. And we get to make that schedule and we can do that. But the problem is, is that a lot of what a lot of the other top players have said is that, you know, I don't play much in the fall and I start in January and I'm so far behind the points that, you know, and, and if they play well, they're going to be fine. But, but it's just like, man, if I have a couple off weeks, like here's a perfect example, Justin Rose and Brooks Kepka. They haven't played a lot this year, and they're both 200 something in the FedEx Cup points. Now, what happens if, if if they don't if they play well, if they play get their game together, which they will? But what happens? They just you know they play well, but they don't have that the years they've had in the past. They're not going to make that Tour Championship, which is not how this is supposed to work. Well, they may not work. even make the BMW because it cuts to 70 now. Mm. So there's a lot of different factors, and that's not what the Tour wants. Right. They don't want their they want their top players. Um, in there because that's what drives the money. And, and I hope all my tour of players understand when I say this, uh, you know, we all help the tour and the sponsors and everyone. We all are contribute to all this money that we're being able to, to play for. But at the end of the day, when you got it, let's be real. It's the, it's the top guys. There's about 30 to maybe 30 to 40 guys that really push the barometer. You know, there's a lot of top guys, and then there's still some other guys below them that still push the barometer of of uh, the the pay and help out with the numbers and, and TV ratings and everything. And everyone else sort of 
isn't really doing much to help right. that. Seat it's really fillers. great to have great it's, stories, to have those players when they win. And opportunities. Uh, opportunities are great. I agree with you. But if you want to, if you know, that's why I think, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens going forward with uh, how the PJ Tour is going to change and evolve over the next couple of years. Because I think um, this this Premier Golf League, this PGL, is an, is an interesting thing, but I don't think it's a viable thing in my opinion. Mm. You know, they're asking you to play 18, guaranteed 18 events, and then you add four majors in there. That's 22 events. So you're going to play 22 events a year. And I think it's in a sort of a condensed window of eight or nine months. You know, you're playing like 11 events the last 15 weeks they want you to play. Mm. And that's not going to happen very mm. well. So, but I think the tour is going to evolve. There's going to be some changes. Do I know what those changes are? No, have, I haven't, I have an idea of what I think the changes should be, but you know, I'm not the commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was your body like when you played those nine out of 10 weeks? What did you learn? My body holds up pretty well. It's just a mental side. It's a grind. Um, I think it becomes, it's easier if you're playing well, cause you can, uh, well, if your game's in good shape, then you can take some days off. But if you're, if you're struggling with your game, you have to have to grind out, you know, you have to go spend hours on the range, work on your swing or hours on the putting green trying to figure out. It's a grind. And that's the, that's the mental grind. Mm. Uh, the physical grind, you can recover quickly, you know, take a day or two off here and there, but, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, and I've, I've, I've done some long runs, but now that I'm, and I, I'm still fairly young, but you know, being 33 last year, I was 32. It, it, it does wear on you a little bit. Um, and so I was pretty much shot at the Zurich classic last year. I was just exhausted, just done. Um, and I was, you know, just mentally, and I was happy to have two weeks off after. Where do you allow yourself more time to, to watch Netflix or TV on the road or when you're back in the Florida swing to just kind of hang out? I watch a ton of that anytime. Only time oh, I give don't me, watch. Give me a must-see show. Oh, man. Um, shoot. Well, I mean, I watch about – it's crazy. I probably keep up close to 30 shows. On your Netflix, my Netflix. List? Uh, HBO, Showtime, oh, yeah. Hulu, all those. Where are you? I've, do you do Narcos? I did. I just finished second season of Narcos Mexico. I watched Phenomenal. it in Mexico. But I'm, I was oh, in, there I was like, <laughs> 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 okay, that's awesome. <laughs> did it awesome. two weeks ago in Mexico. <laughs> um, so that was really good. Uh, when I was over in, um, where was I? Did I do it in Asia this year? No, I don't think I did in Asia. Um, on the West Coast, I, I, I watched I had not watched this show and I didn't think I, I, not that the plot or anything that I didn't think I was going to like it, but just the way the colors were and sometimes just the way the color and it comes across doesn't look great. But I watched Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh yeah and yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Oh, yeah. Love that. Uh, I'm a big Billions fan on Showtime. Okay. Um, I still haven't watched Billions that. is awesome. I was a big Suits guy on USA. Yeah. Uh, I love, uh, you I do I just Succession watched, on HBO. Yep. So I haven't watched season two yet. That's, that's next on my list. Uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of Netflix lately. The The Witcher is a new, is yeah, a new show. yeah, yeah. That was that really one. good. That was really that was, good. I watched that last week. Yeah. Uh, I get anxiety because no, I, I think there's too much. You know what? I'm not going to lie with you because there's so much shows I got to keep up with. Like I've got a list that I've got because I can't remember. I'm like, okay, what show have I not seen? And, and sometimes like I'll just wait until. I'll like, okay, I'll just wait a couple seasons so I can, you know, binge, binge watch. Yep. Uh, but no, it's really good. I used to do a house of cards. House of cards yes. is great. 
Um, obviously, Game of Thrones. Oh, man, what else am I missing? I mean, there's a whole bunch yeah, of the wire. I haven't done the wire yet. I, you know what? I'm not a big, I'm not a big like ABC, NBC, CBS type show guys. I'm not. Well, the wire though is HBO. Oh, is it HBO? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. It's one of from all of I. I love that show, and from talking to all of the law enforcement friends that I have, say it's the most realistic. Okay, I have to watch show that. that's been out there. So, so now I've got 31 shows. <laughs> um, so. No, I'm a, I'm a, I can, I can binge watch with the best of them. When I get back, you know, my family doesn't travel very much with me anymore. So when I'm done playing and for me to get my mind off, uh, you know, just golf, I'll literally just go back in the room. And if I'm watching something, I'll just binge watch it. <laughs> there's been weeks and it's, this has never would have happened a couple of years ago, but there's weeks that I don't even turn on my TV at all in my room. Yeah, you just go iPad or, or just go or, iPad. Yeah. That's it. I wake yeah. up, I wake up, you know, get ready, leave. And then I come back and, and watch whatever shows and go to sleep. Do you unplug from golf too? Like just put, you know what? I'm putting the clubs away and I ain't touching them. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably, the longest I'll go is probably seven, 10 days. And that's probably, uh, towards the end of the year. In season, I'll probably take five days, six days off. Um, taking my wife and, and my two girls. We're leaving my little man at home. Um, the week after players, but taking the wife and my two girls to the Bahamas for their spring break. Um, to hang out with them for five days. Nice. You know, don't get to see them a lot. Um, so they're, they're, they're excited about that. So yeah. Uh, and then we spend our summers in Colorado, uh, and we love it out there. So when I'm out there, you know, I still practice and, and, and play, but not nearly as much if I was at home because my wife and I, we love to go hiking. We love being outdoors. It's such a, a great time of year to be out there and we do a whole bunch of stuff. Justin Leonard lives in Aspen. So that's yep. where we spend our time. And, um, I told Justin in Mexico, I saw him on the range, and I said, hey, I arrive in Aspen on May 25th. On May 26th, we're going to a bike shop, and we're going to, you get me a, you're going to tell me what mount, mountain bike I need to get, you know, this and that, so we can go mountain bike, <laughs> mountain biking and everything. So I'm excited about that. Mountain biking. Yeah. I'm not a, I, I, I you know, I'll do my Peloton, and I, but I'm not a big road bike guy. I've got to be like, I've got to be going through some, you know, not that a road bike isn't being dangerous. You got Cars going by you, you feel like Frogger. Oh, no. You feel like the Frogger just on the side of the <laughs> road. After what bit. happened to Faraday, I, yeah. w- I want you to stay in the woods. But but the woods are a little bit still dangerous too. Yeah, I mean, you're, they are. Yeah. I mean, if, if if you if you're from what and what I have not done this, but I know a little bit and just talking to people. I mean, you be riding a trail and, and you look down, you know, on the edge. Sometimes depending on where the trail is, you can you're gonna fall a thousand feet if you go tumbling. So yeah, no, see, yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. but no, Jay. J- Leonard Jail told me he he'll take it easy on me and make sure uh, I don't do anything stupid. You so what? Not. What do you do? Because you're a big Florida guy. You were on a college game day this fall, mm-hmm. and I think you were Mister Two Bits the same Saturday, right? Yes. So yes. You, when you're when it's when it's college football season and it's Gator season, how are you keeping up with what they're doing? I mean, I if, if I'm home, I'm watching on TV. <laughs> if I'm at a golf tournament and they're playing that day. Uh, my phone is uh, is always on, and I am checking the scores. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if it's that's not probably shouldn't really be done on the PJ Tour. I think there's probably a rule against that. No, it's allowed. Oh, it's allowed. Yeah, it's allowed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's been times where I I played bad, and I made the cut. And I haven't played great on the weekend, and so like uh, sadly, if I'm in like uh, let's say we're or split tees, how we go sometimes. And I'm off that the the, the back end the back end of the U, which yep. you don't want to be. Um, then I will, uh, you know. Sometimes I wish I would just pull out the phone and and, and live stream it right you there. Just stream the game. it. Yeah, 
Go for it. But, you know, I keep up with him a lot. Coach Mullen uh, is a great, great friend. Um, Good He's dude. done a great job. We text back and forth. And, you know, what they've done is awesome. I mean, I keep up with all Florida sports. Uh, I tell people I just don't don't just watch football and basketball. I'm very aware of what our baseball, softball yeah. teams are doing, lacrosse teams, swimming, diving, um, you know, every sport that we have there. Uh, I'm very aware of what every sport's doing. So sometimes when I do talk to some of the coaches there that don't know me as well, um, they're very, they're very shocked to, to, to hear the, the knowledge I have of what they've done that season or what their certain player is doing and everything. So yeah, I, uh, I may not, obviously everyone knows I'm a big Florida fan and, um, and I, and I so show my, my colors, but I'm not as loud and, and as out there as other people may think. <laughs> True. In the sense of showing it and being Correct. crazy. I like to keep it reserved Who's as in, much as I can. Is Justin Thomas, is he a mouthy Alabama guy? Um, who's like, who's the most obnoxious with their school on tour? Oh man. Oh man. The Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, the, those guys. I was yeah. just going to say, Harmon. <laughs> Bulldogs the fans. Ryan Harmon. They yeah. are. And I love them. They're great guys, but yeah. man, they, they can get mouthy and they love it. They, and that's who they are. And so. I would say Justin Thomas is is a very bad loser when his team <laughs> loses. Uh, I've seen it a little bit, and I mean he's not the greatest when Alabama's not doing well. Uh, but he's he loves his sports teams. He does a really good job. He, you know, he's he's uh, he's not like the Georgia Bulldog guys where they just they they when they beat when we were in China when uh, Georgia beat us so. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning over there to watch the Florida Georgia game, and and so we lost. I go down for breakfast in the hotel, and Kevin Kisner walks in. He sees me, and first thing he <laughs> does, he yells at the top of his lungs. He says, "Go dogs!" <laughs> or how about them dogs? And I'm like, them "Dogs!" I can't say nothing. And I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big shove it in your face no. kind of guy because I hate if. We lose, they're going to come back at me just yes. as strong, if not stronger. Correct. And I'm not very good at taking that. And I don't want to be on that other side of it. So, you know, I'm when we win, I'm just, that. I'm, I just don't, I just, you know, I may give a little, little, you know, a little needle here and there, but not like those guys. So when in the Tebow era, you weren't, you weren't obnoxious because you guys were. Oh, no. I mean, I mean, this is Tebow era. I'm in college. I'm, you know, 1921. 20, I mean, <laughs> I'm a cocky little kid back then, and I mean, I was giving to anyone I could, sure. I mean, here's a funny story. Uh, we're at the national championship game 2008 against Oklahoma, and we had pretty good seats. We were uh, in one of the end zones, probably 10 rows up from the field, um, and I didn't know we were going to be in Florida, you know, because they don't, you don't know how it's going to be. Florida, Georgia, we weren't sitting behind the bench, that's all. So behind one end zone, so you get a little mixture. And so we, where we get to our seats, there's some Florida people, thought of Oklahoma people, um, and there is a, a husband and wife, and she has her newborn child, probably one or two years old, Ooh. at the game. And so my wife looks at me and she says, "You need to be calm this game." <laughs> like, you know, she's thinking there's these people baby. are really nice. You know, they're coming to watch the game. Like they're going to be cheering for a team, but they're not going to be crazy, right? They got a baby. And so. Um, She's like, you just need to be like tame. Let's not get going crazy here. <laughs> so, one of the f- early first series of the game, 
deep ball down the left-hand side, and Matt Elon comes over and just lays out the Oklahoma wide receiver. He probably got there a second early, uh, just a titch early, um, but he lays them out, and it's incomplete, no flag. And all of a sudden, not the husband, but the wife stands up, and she goes, are you ever kidding me? That's a flag. Come on, Raz. So then my wife looks over at me, gives me the look like, you are released. <laughs> you can do whatever you want the rest of this game. You're good. Go time. And so, so I mean, yeah. So it was fun after that because I was, it was a great game. Um, but uh, I I was cheering very ho- loud and very hard and and uh, you know I was happy. My wife wife allowed me to. And this is my girlfriend at the time. This I was very. She allowed me to to um to enjoy the game the way I want to enjoy the game as a, as a 22 year old kid at the time. That's How's your amazing. wife doing? I I love the fact that like when she came out and said I have a problem and you were a hundred percent behind her and we're like we're gonna fight this together. What's that? What's that? What's that fight been like? And how ha, how positive has the reaction been from other people coming out going, hey, thank you for being coming out because you helped other people. It's been great. Uh, you know, May um, she's she's close to four years sober now. Uh, it's been, it's been a life changer for both of us. Uh, if she was going down the path that she was and she didn't change, um, we more likely wouldn't be married anymore and we want to have two more kids. <laughs> uh, so it's been a, a really a, a life changer and I got to give her a lot of credit because, uh, there's a lot of people that go through that and don't want to make the changes and, or, or don't want to see the signs and everything. So. Um, it's been an unbelievable journey. Um, I know when we were, she was in rehab, we talked about it that there, you know, one thing we wanted to do is when she got to a point that she felt she was comfortable with dealing with this addiction. And, you know, you, you say you have, you have it under control, but you never, you know, it's one day away from slipping up. Mm. Um, so you always got to live on that edge a little bit. But when she felt like she had a good grasp of, of everything, you know, we wanted to talk about it publicly because we knew, Living in the in the light that we live in, people think that we live a uh, a perfect life and it's a great life and we have no issues and and that's not the case. We are no different than anybody else, um, any other couple out there. Um, only different is is uh, as I what I do for my work is is more public and it's seen by more people. So we knew that we could share our message uh, with um, the world and we could just help one person. That would be worth it. And so it's been really. A life changer for both of us. I mean, I still, you know, till this day, very, um, it's not a term that goes by where I don't hear someone say, Hey, how's your wife doing? I'm 12 years sober or I'm 25 wow. years sober or my son just got sober or I heard your, my, you know, we heard your story and, you know, my girlfriend's getting, you know, help or something along those lines. And that, that means a lot to us. I mean, that's what we want to do. And, and my wife does a lot of, a lot of stuff through social media. A lot of people reach out to her. Um, and so she'll, you know, talk to people with social media with, with, you know, who need help or having struggles and everything. So, um, you know, we've always, you know, we, we live a great life and we, we want, we provide as much as we can for our kids. But at the end of the day, you know, I've always had that, the, the sense. And I think my wife doesn't majority of people in this world, you want to leave this world in a better place if you can. And for us, um, that's our goal and, and, and doing this allows us to hopefully by when we pass on, we have improved. Uh, we have contributed to society and helped make it a better place. 
Well, just from knowing how many people come up to you and having learned of that story and the battle that, that both of you, because it's a team effort. It is. Like, it is a team. It's a team effort knowing mm-hmm. that it's, it's inspiring to know, Hey, listen, when it comes down to it, just because we play golf in our own TV yeah. doesn't mean I'm not a human being. Exactly. I can go through the same thing as everybody else, man. That's really cool. Exactly. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about, and this just happened, <laughs> you get to wear all the Ralph Lauren stuff too, but, uh, PXG. Yes. We're all a family out here. Yep. We are a tight knit family mm-hmm. and a, a guy who worked for PXG and was the tour rep out here. It, no one saw that coming and. He gets let go, and and then you were like, you know what, PXG, I love y'all, but I got to do my own thing. Yes. I mean, Matt Rollins is a really good friend of mine. He's been part of my um, unofficial team for 11 years, mm. you know, at Ping, and then when he went over to PXG, and, and I follow him over there. So he's a really good friend of mine, someone I trust very um, – trust a lot when it comes to my game. And and it was an unfortunate situation that, uh, you know, he got let go by, by PXG. There's many different factors that played into my decision to leave. Um, but as I told Bob and as I will tell anyone out here, I mean, I'm not getting paid by them anymore. And, and I still believe in this comment and whatever it goes forward and since my equipment, it's not going to change what I'm going to say. I can live, I can, I can rest my head easy at night with what I'm about to say, but they are a great company. They really are. What Bob's done for in this industry, he's shook up the industry. Yep. And, 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 and he's done something that, uh, no one's been able to do for, for many years. And Bob's a great guy. He's still a good friend. Um, I learned a lot from him. I wish PXG and Bob Parsons all the success going forward. Mike Nicolette and Brad Swaggart, who are the two lead engineers who make the clubs I have a great relationship with. There's so many great people at that company. Um, and I can't uh, thank them enough for my time. And listen, they started a company and they believed in me to sign me to help lead the global mm-hmm. golf brand going forward. And we grew together. And that's really the cool thing. I mean, did an event down in PXG Mexico and then I did an event in PX, uh, in Japan at PXG Japan. I mean, just to see how well that brand's grown over the years, um, is amazing. And the support that they have in, in the golf world is really cool. Um, but you know, things happen and, 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 you know, that's the way it was. And, and Bob was, was gracious enough to, to understand certain things. And, and so, um, like I said, I, I hold them high regards and always will. And, and I hope the best for them going forward. But so. let's be honest, man. It's pretty cool to have a golf bag. You ain't got to worry about logos on. And now you can go, you know what? Let me try this. Hey, hey, you guys, send me, let me try something. Let me tell, like, it, it's cool. There was a year, a couple t- years back when every guy who won a major championship did not have a club yep. deal at all and their bag was Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's cool. It's still new to me because I've always had a company. I've always had that one person because there. Because Ping to trust. was 14 clubs. Uh, 11. I had 11. Ele- okay. Yeah. 11. And so, um, and Matt has always been that guy for me there. Right. To tell me, hey, this good, this club's good or this club's not. So I don't, it's weird not having them there. I, I, I know what I need. I have my teacher, Todd Anderson. And so we do a good job, but you know, just so many people coming over, you know, wanting to try stuff. And you know, I want to try some new stuff and I just want to do it in my own little, little sector and bubble and keep everyone else away. So it's, it's tough for now. Um, I'll, you know, I've done some testing a little bit the last two weeks, just, um, a little small stuff, but I'll do a lot of it at home in my own, my own, uh, sanctuary where there's not bubble. so many people bubble <laughs> where I can keep, where I can figure out what I need and what I don't need. And I can go back to them and, and, and decide, Hey, this is what I saw. What can we do to tweak it? So it's cool because I think, 
you know, there, there may be something out there that can make me a better player. Even, you know, save me, make me, if it can help me by a half a shot a tournament, that goes along. That adds up. Uh, and it adds up. So, you know, and it's going to be really cool. I, at first I was a little, little scared. I'm not going to lie because it's, it's a new realm and new territory, but now there's a lot of excitement behind it and, and we'll see what happens. This has been a blast. It's man. been Thanks awesome, Billy. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate hey, you stopping thanks, by. If you, if you can have a score to sit in the, sit in the clubhouse this week, realistically, what you take? You know what? The wind's supposed to blow pretty hard here this week. Yep. Um, 20 to 30 on Thursday out of the southwest and then it's supposed to come out of the northeast. Oh, man. Um, I mean, what last, what one last we got Honda? Five? Yep. Six. 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 Six one by what? Six. Two. So we've got two extra par fives here. I want to say if you gave me ten on the par, I'm going to be very happy. All right, you know, I, it may be too short because I think twelve could get it. Yes, but it just depends on, you know, I, I it depends on how firm they because the greens usually dry up and get really fast here, especially it when de- it's real windy. And it just depends on if they're going to get even that way with how heavy the wind's supposed to be into the intensity. So, you know what, I'll take ten on the par. My stats guy probably said I should take 12, maybe, if he was sitting next to me. <laughs> yep. Um, so we'll go at 11. <laughs> 11, we meet in the 11. middle. We'll dock it yeah, down. We, uh, yeah, my Three stats under guys, every day, and then you can have one day where you're light one. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Because, I mean, I, if you look at I think a year that's comparable would be the year Mark Leishman won. I think he won at like 10 on the par, 11 on the par. And I think that's going to be like that this year. Go so, get it, man. Thanks, boys. Thank awesome. you, Bailey. Before we move on, we need to talk about Blue Chew. Guys, everyone has performance issues at some point. Want to avoid it? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance to another level. Check this out. They got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Since they're chewable, they can work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And this stuff is cheaper than those other two. So this is another no-brainer. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician consult is free. And once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code Matty, M-A-T-T-Y. Shh, don't tell anybody I told you now. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's bluechew.com, promo code MADDIE. You're welcome. So we are looking forward to today's episode, and probably one of my favorite things about this this week's uh, program is that Collins, the caddy, our caddy and yours, is finally working again and he is on the ground at Bay Hill for this week's Bay Hill Invitational. Welcome back to the working force, Caddy. You know, every now and then you just got to get your feet wet, you know, <laughs> just get, get back out there and let people know, hey, I'm not just hanging in my backyard all the time. I Look, I can't be doing that bad of a job, though, because every time I go out, all I hear from people is, y- you're at every tournament, right? So... I must be faking it all right. What is that? Why do you think that is? I don't know. I just think because I think a lot of times because of the way that we can be creative when I am in my backyard talking about what's going on in the world of golf, how we can pump highlights behind it. Yeah. And I do live somewhere 
that there's a golf course in my backyard. And I guess, you know, if, if I, and this is knock on wood, if the information that I'm given is good, informative and entertaining, then you're not looking in the background going, Hey man, that's the same hole from two weeks ago. <laughs> or, Hey man, he's at that hole a lot. Like, Let me ask must, you this though. That's a re, they do that hole a lot on the PGA tour. Do they even make you pay dues at Gainesville Country Club anymore because of how much airtime they get of you fooling the viewers that you're at a tournament? I, I want to talk to them about that. <laughs> Cause hell I would. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and you've I'm never not, been one to shy away from free stuff. Well, you know what I mean? If it's free, I'll take three because I got to give you one. Yeah, that's true. You're contractually obligated to give me one. That's what I'm saying. Like, you better be careful complaining about me getting free stuff because I always get – you always get stuff too. So because of me. But, yeah, and I'm not one of those guys who's crazy at the golf course a lot. So even though I literally can walk from my house to the clubhouse – I don't like to be up there all day, every day. What's the feeling at Bay Hill this week? No Tiger. He didn't play there last year. In fact, you and I were both on the grounds at Bay Hill last year when Tiger uh, pulled out of the tournament. I think we were getting uh, ready to go play to, to, to uh, what were, what's it? Uh, Tranquillo. Yes. We were getting ready to go play Tranquillo, and the uh, Tiger Woods news came out. I don't think either of us are surprised he's not playing there this year. It always seems to me there's there's the Tiger tournament and there's the non-Tiger tournament and a, a non-Tiger tournament at a place like Bay Hill, Arnie's tournament, seems big but not sizable because he didn't play in it last year. Well, this is what's crazy. This is one of those upper echelon, below a WGC, but still upper echelon. It's the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Memorial, and Tiger's tournament, the Genesis. They're all three of those are invitationals. It's uh, this week is 121 man field. And real, if and real quick this, for the patrons, explain the difference because we've used that term a lot on this podcast. It's an invitational. So all not all of them. Most of the other PGA Tour events are opens, which means there's a Monday qualifier. It's at, at the very minimum, a 136 to 144 man field. Some have 156. Those tournaments also, if you win, you get a two year exemption. The Arnold Palmer, the Memorial Jacks tournament and Tigers tournament, the Genesis is a, an, it's called elevated status. And what that means is you get a three year exemption mm. for winning this tournament. Which is huge this early in the year yes. or like, like winning Tigers event early in the season to have a win like that under your belt and know that you're going to be good through 2023. Like that's a, that matters a lot, especially in a smaller field. And normally with smaller field events like that, you get all the best guys playing. Unfortunately for Arnold Palmer this year and next year's probably might get even worse. Now that we have this condensed schedule, I know you hate talking about it, but this is the, this is just how it is. It's true. Because of where this tournament falls on the schedule. And I think too, it's four years now since Arnie passed. Yes. This field ranking wise from 2018 to 2020, the strength of field 443 in 2018, 
545 in 2019, and this year, 568. Mm. Four of the top ten players are here. We do have world number one and world number three, Rory and Brooks. And the other two are Patrick Reed and... Rom's there. Um, Is Rom there? No, Rom Rom is is not not here. It's Adam Scott, number six. Who I just saw not wearing shorts on a day when it's 86 degrees. Dude, what are you doing? But that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is where this tournament falls on the schedule. Three players. Condensed schedule. Players is next week. And then a week off. And then WGC. I love it. And you're coming from Genesis and a WGC in Mexico (laughs) with the week off at Honda. Honda Honda was a great tournament. Like When you see... What score one? Yeah, and how difficult that golf course. That played. doesn't make it great. I understand Didn't that three under win, three under one. Sung Jae M, four under one because well, I was way off six under. He shot a four under in his final round. Six under won the tournament. Mackenzie Hughes finished at five under. Tommy Fleetwood at four under. So six under won the tournament. So you know what? Un- That's not bad. Six under is a respect. That I'll take that. If it finished at three under, I'd say. Eh. Why? A lot of bogeys. Yeah, this is the thing that always befuddles me, is people who complain about, oh, there's too many birdies being made out there. It's too easy for these guys. Like It should be harder. I like to see them suffer. But yet when a golf course is really hard and difficult and there aren't a lot of birdies to come by, people don't watch. I've said that the ideal score always for like a major championship, eight under. Hmm. For a major, yeah. And for a PGA Tour event, I'm cool with 16. That's what I'm saying. So that's why, well, that's why that's not, it wasn't a good look for the Honda because that place, PGA champion or PGA uh, national championship. Champions Court. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, that thing played ridiculous. And it wasn't, they didn't get the 25 to 30 mile an hour wins that they were talking about. They got enough, but yeah, they didn't get enough for the win. But when those greens are really firm and, the other thing about that golf course was the rough was not thick. I, we've been there a couple of times, and I remember Caddy in that event when you got into that rough and you were wedging out. But yet, guys were shooting 13, 14 under to win. You know, but that's that's all about soft greens. If the greens are soft, you can't protect flags from the best players in the world. You just can't do it. The par when threes there get are really murderous, firm. Oh my goodness, they're murderous. Man. Yeah, Jimmy Walker on the par three seventh hole hit it into water that's not in play on the right hand <laughs> side. People didn't even know there were there was water there. I'm telling you that that course, and and I think that's the the problem with the Florida swing now is that when you look at where they are. Honda keeps losing quality players, and a guy like Brooks Kepka didn't even make the cut. That doesn't help either. That the only guy in the top ten, Brooks Kepka, who's was world number one, and you think this guy is coming back is going to be a world beater. Now he says he's one hundred percent healthy, and was the guy who was smack talking about Patrick Reed and seeing stuff on the golf course. But after all that, and you missed the cut. Yeah, I actually laughed with him because just earlier I saw him. Out there going to play nine holes of practice. I got to talk to him when he's done. But I laughed at the fact that he came out with all that stuff and was like, I don't need any friends. I got enough friends. And and guess who he's playing with for his nine hole practice round today? Who? Nobody. 
<laughs> so he's playing with all his friends. Look, who cares? He knows, Nine holes of practice no, with all he's your got, friends on a Tuesday. It's fine, dude. He's got buddies off tour. I'm fine with that. And I'm fine yeah, with him no, missing the cut. I just find it it's funny cut. and hilarious. I'm fine with him missing the cut because uh, he tells you all the time, don't bet on me early on. Let me gear up for the major. But when you look at where he is now. Look, what, ooh, man, that's, go, go ahead. that's hard to do to a tournament. That's hard. That's hard to say to a tournament like the Honda, hey, I'm going to show up, but don't expect much. But they, but at least he put it out there. They know what they're getting. I guess, man. I, I guess. I just, it just doesn't have a, and I'm a Brooks Kepka fan. As much as I'll give him crap about some of the stuff that he says, I don't want him to stop saying what he's saying. And I'm a big fan of his, but I also understand from a tournament and marketing standpoint, not a good look. Like this, the thing he has to remember too is, the things you're saying about having the chip on your shoulder, well, you're causing a lot of it. You're never going to be the face of the PGA Tour. And if you're not the face of the PGA Tour, then some sponsor stuff is going to be tough. Like, what car company is going to be like, yo, we're hitching our wagon to Brooks Kepka because we're guaranteed to sell to five dudes, Brad and Chad? <laughs> That's it. Like, no, but, like, out-of-golf people love Kepka. I don't care. Out of golf, love. That's who Kepka. they're selling to. Selling what? Cars. What are you selling? Yeah, no. Who then? Who? Okay, then who's the face of golf right now? Outside of Tiger, Tiger doesn't count. None. There's no face. None. Just like I. You know what? No, I I, I agree. None of the above. There is no. This is the problem of how spoiled that we have been with Tiger Woods. There cannot and will not be one person that will be able to hold the reign of this is the face of the PGA Tour. It's not going to happen now. That's part of the problem of looking for who will take the mantle. It cannot be taken by one person. And I don't think it needs to be in today's age of technology. Because of the way we share information today, there doesn't have to be one face of the PGA Tour that are on all the billboards. And if we do an ad campaign, it has to be with this person because of who? No, it doesn't have to be that way. It can work if John Rahm is the face over here. Brooks Kepka has a taste in this little space. Ricky Fowler still has plenty of people that are behind him. And still plenty of followers and a great social media presence. He can be one too. Well, that's what it is. Victor Hovland, Cameron. Yeah, but you're not now. Victor Hovland, get out of here with that for a couple more years. I know. But but I'm saying for the future. Well, look, the thing that golf needs to embrace, other than living under par, is that. (laughs) (laughs) Live under par? Yeah, exactly. The (laughs) NFL. There's 15 faces in the NFL. There's 15 faces in the NBA. LeBron, Zion, um, Harden, Westbrook, Giannis, Damian Lillard. Like, well, wouldn't you say LeBron is the face of the NBA right now? No, there are faces of the NBA. Faces. Kevin Durant. Say- like, there, there's Steph Curry. Like, there are so many. Faces that do so well marketing. I don't, 
we just got spoiled, like you said, with a generational face and no one wanted to step up. But right now, if golf just embraced the fact that they still have Phil hanging on, you could wrap he's some stuff around week. Bryson and his uniqueness. Yeah, he's here this week. Patrick Reed can he play got a Bentley. He's taking me for a ride in. He said it's Bentley that they gave him this week because Bryson's Bentley this week is supposedly sick. Oof. Yeah. I can Sydney give you a little, little uh, idea if you want to get on television. Why don't you do a ride along with Bryson DeChambeau? Uh, he already told me to go out and check it out in the in the player lot, which is right across the street here. So, well, I'll do that. We'll do a video. I'll but, show his Bentley off. But you look at, you know, it, it's about embracing quantity over quality, and golf has never had more quantity. It, it's never had more quantity. I, I would argue equality as well. Well, well yeah, the, quanti- the quantity of the quality right now in golf is is world class. Yeah, that's that's the hard, but that's also one of the hard things to sell in golf. At least with other sports, it's regional. So, you know, in the NBA, the Houston Rockets, they're loved in Houston, you know, loved in Asia from back in the Yao Ming days. They are, they have their spot. Golden State Warriors got their spot. The New York, well, nobody in New York now. But the, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are, they're coming up a little bit. Philly, Miami is playing. You have all of these regional spots that can have those faces. I would still say LeBron is the main character. And the rest of those people you named are the supporting cast, but all of those in the supporting cast have big time roles now because of how regional it can be. The problem with golf is golf isn't even regional. It's individual. So it's hard for, you know, this individual is loved in the San Francisco area. Nah, it don't work that way in golf. Like this individual is loved in the Charlotte area. Nah, nah, you know, so it makes it, Harder to sell, and when we when Tiger Woods is and still is the guy, he was the guy that the most people loved, but also the guy that the most people hated. And the only thing we got right now is Patrick Reed kind of as the villain, a role he doesn't necessarily want, but will he'll take it if if that's where it's got to be. And Brooks Kepka, who is going in that direction. Going in the guy like, don't embrace me. I'm not your friend. Like, I'm here. <laughs> you know, he reminds me a lot of, who? Remi- and I wasn't around for this, but it, it, it reminds me of the way people talk about this person. The way that people talk about Brooks Kepka remind me of how people talked about Bob Gibson. And you know who we were around? Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Ex- yes. Yes, at least when Reggie when Reggie was with us on the podcast, he opened up about why he felt the need to be the way that he was. Yeah. Which was completely different from why Brooks would be this way. And Brooks talks about why he is the way that he is and it, that way it's more Gibson-esque in that he I don't want to be friends with the guys I'm trying to beat. Which is what Tiger used to be, but now has flipped the script and shown I can be these guys' friends and beat them, and it feels even better coming off a of green when they're all standing there wanting to hug me. So let let me run this out at you because you're making good points. Is as, as we kind of look at where golf is in 
trying to get some of the attention, you know, whether you're talking about the, the, the condensed schedule and players missing out. Yesterday on ESPN, we did an all-access during an exhibition game with the Chicago Cubs. Mm. And we had players mic'd up during the game with IFB, etc. And it is the most fascinating thing that I've seen on television in quite some time. Because the players were talking during their at-bats. Rizzo was yes. like, I haven't seen a fastball. I think a fastball is coming. I haven't seen a fastball. And he was right. And then he hit it. And then he's rounding the base because I'm going for two. Well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> it was so fascinating. And what I'm getting at is I think golf, because what do we both agree on? Golf and baseball are the two old white guy sports. Yep. If golf would embrace something like that, miking up seven-player caddies throughout a round, can't not do the, it. See, th- that's exactly my problem. Can't why? Why is your default can't do it? Why you can't do it? Because number one, you would have to have a a much longer delay because of the language. You only need a couple second delay. Yeah. So why why can't you do it? Why are you going to be because the, the old white guy? I'm not being the old white guy. It look, look, dude, you're preaching to the choir. I am 150% for it. I think it's exactly what golf needs. I think it would be fantastic to do. I think the problem with doing that is yes, there are it's time. If a golf round takes five and a half hours, some of the things that are talked about between players and caddies can't and shouldn't be made public. Well, that's why there's a producer in the truck. I understand that, but the problem is catching that stuff. What happens What happens when something like that goes out on... No, it look... Where in baseball... It's you valid. Can, you can sit there and talk to baseball players um, during the game about the game and about, oh, this guy has these tendencies and did you see what this guy did, blah, blah, this and that. Golf is not like that. Golf is, there are... We'll ask Horschel this. This will be a question for Horschel. Yeah, yeah. Because... I would be interesting, I would be interested to know what I think would be, what, what would be fascinating would be some of the conversations between players Walking off tee boxes or walking, yeah, walking off tee boxes is the best one because that's when all three players are normally together or players and caddies. That's when you have some of the best conversations is walking off tee boxes on par fours and par fives because you know you're going to probably be waiting on the group that's on the green when you get to your golf ball. You know when you get there, you'll get your number and, and go through your process. So this is the time where guys talk to one another. I don't know how comfortable golfers would be i can tell you right now i don't even have to say i don't know i can tell you for sure golfers would not be comfortable with some of the conversations that happen even and i'm not talking about like talking about you know the other sex i'm not talking about any of that i'm just talking about phil would not be comfortable if his conversation with jordan spieth about the tax stuff that he is going through moving from California to Florida and selling stuff. I don't know that guys would be comfortable allowing 
people that kind of access. Yeah, and, and I don't know how cases, often those no. conversations happen in the course a of a tournament. Oh, a lot. That's what you're telling me. Guys, Phil, don't you're talk telling about, me if Phil and Spieth are tied for the lead at a tournament, they're talking about Phil's tax problems. If they're tied for the lead at a tournament, they're probably not talking a whole lot on a Sunday. Well, they're talking to their caddy, and that thing. I think that'd be interesting for the viewer. Point being is this: you and I love the sport. We're golf nerds, so yep, I will sit sure. and watch three rounds of the Honda Classic. Me too. You know, Jeff and Jim in Nebraska may not, but what's going to get Jeff and Jim to watch if they hear about this? Like I'm telling you, if baseball did this in the regular season, I believe the ratings would skyrocket and it would do well for the sport. There just needs to be a way in this era of, uh-oh, we're getting close to post-Tiger again, where golf needs to find a way to bring the sport and make it more engaging for everyone. Because I believe it's a good enough game that can appeal to a larger mass than it already is. Two things. One, I don't know that baseball would do it in the regular season too, because oh, well, they play 162 games and the biggest cheating scandal in the history of the sport. I would come up with something quick. I would come up with something too, but that ain't it. And even though I think that I, I agree with you, I agree with you that that would be awesome. And number two, when it comes to golf, set this up for a practice round and let's mic up players and caddies for a practice round when they are gambling and see the real talking that goes on in a foursome. One of the, one of the greatest rounds that I have ever seen or actually been a part of, just been out there walking around was when the course was closed at Liberty National last year. And it was Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods and Harold Varner the third. And they had a game. And the talk between the four of them was an absolute scream. It was an absolute scream. The unfortunate thing is, if you put microphones on all of them and send them out to play that match again, none of those conversations happen. And that's partly the golfer's fault because... They are way too protective of their quote unquote brand and they don't want to say or do anything, especially in today's society, because we also know how this works in today's society, how easy it is to take something that someone says and make it offensive. And then here comes the mob. But see, here's what I and I'm with you, but I don't even think that we need that type of conversation for it to be compelling television. I think that if you just mic up player and caddy during a practice round when they're getting yardages and walking the course. What's my shot here? Where do you want to hit it here? Why is this the ideal situation? I think that in and of itself, I don't need to hear about when they were juniors in colleges and what he thought and how he met his wife. I don't need any of that. Well, it'd be fun to listen to. Oh, I think you, that, that's really getting to know the players, but you I think really just to get to know, I think just the golf talk, like, just hearing some guy maybe talking about, man, this hill sucks, or I don't like this hole, or I don't like... I mean, just stuff like that, I think, would be good. You enough. say that, but what's the biggest complaint people have about golf when it's out there and there are microphones around? 
Like people get mad at Jordan Spieth and Michael Greller when they are going back and forth talking about what they're going to do. And that's at the shot. Like, you know, I love kind those. Of, I love it. Listen, I am a hundred percent behind it too, but we also have seen the repercussions of when that happens and how people then make it out to be something it's not. Look at what happened. Look at Bubba Watson and Ted Scott. You see the go between from them, and then you see kind of the reaction stuff from them, and then it's like we got to save Ted Scott, <laughs> right? Like it, that just cracks me up. Or can you believe how Jordan speaks to Michael? Like I don't know how would he put up with something like that, and how dare Jordan blame Michael Greller? And that's the dynamic that I think people in you and I who are around the game enough at this level understand what that talk truly is. But people on the outside looking in initially and always get it wrong. And there's no way to get it right. Did you see, speaking of getting it right, Paul Mike, Azinger, who Paul Azinger, what happened? What he said with about Tommy Fleetwood and about the European tour and, Ooh, so that this was during the Honda on the final day, you know, Tommy Fleetwood trying to win and Paul Lazinger is talking about him and, and basically said about Lee Westwood too. And man, Twitter lit up and lit up on him. Really? Yeah. Talking to, he, he talked about how, you know, it's okay to be right, but there's a right way to be right. I think. And he basically said that Tommy Fleetwood and his wins on the European tour and Lee Westwood and his wins on the European tour are nice, almost like they're cute, but they don't stack up to winning on the PGA Here I have the quote. He says, these guys know you can win all you want on the European tour, the international game and all that, but you have to win on the PGA tour. They all know that. And I think Tommy knows that and has put a little pressure on Tommy, but this is where they want to be. They want to come here and prove they can make it at this level. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. It oh, was... and then Lee Westwood responded, one minute Paul walks down the range wishing you good luck before you play. The next he's condescending the tour you play on and disrespects the tournament you've won, tournaments you've won around the world. I've won in 19 that, different countries over four decades. That is disrespecting a lot of people. Not saying, I'm just saying. Now, it's easy for Paul to do because he's a winning Ryder Cup captain. But, but, but you, you kind of, a little bit, I mean, let me, let me do, uh, let me do my, let me do my analyze that. A little bit, a little bit. Disrespectful, a little bit. Uh, you don't, you don't have to come across as belittling the European tour. I don't think that quote was belittling at all. I, I think it, it, it demeans what winning on the European tour means. These guys know you can win all you want on the European tour, the international game and all of that, but you have to win on the PGA tour. The international game and all of that, you can win as much as you want on the European tour. Is he wrong? It don't matter. Is he wrong? It, no. Why do they all want to come over and play on the PGA tour? Because of the money. But the competition's 
probably top to bottom better. Because of the money. Just because of money. Yes. Look. Yeah. You think one guy out here, this is where, this is where why Pat Perez is, is my hero. It's because him and maybe two other guys will, will be completely honest when it comes to if you ain't out here for the Marshawn Lynch chicken, then you're lying. Like you're not out here for the prestige. You're not doing this week to week. You're not going through this grind because like you think, Oh, I, if I would do this for free. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You're chasing the dollar. You're chasing the cash. Correct. And it's why those guys, why did the guys that are out here, if this is the most prestigious tour that there is and this is where everybody wants to win, then how come them dudes take all that appearance fee money and go get special releases from the PGA tour so they can go play overseas it's for the money? Period. I agree. Money so, is a huge motivational factor. So the factor. European tour paid the purses that the PGA tour paid. If the flip, if the script was flipped, then everyone would be on the European tour traveling all over the world playing for that kind of scratch. All right. So let's go pick a tournament. Tampa. So that's Valspar. Yep. March 27. Okay. So what would you think the purse is there? Uh, the total purse or the winning check? The total purse. Total purse on that one would be 6.2? All right, 6.9. Oh, okay. Winner gets 1.242. Yeah. There is only one tournament on the European tour that's below 7 million for a purse. It's the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship that's at 5 mil. Everything else is 7 mil, 7 mil, 8 mil, 10.2, 10.2, 10.2, 10.2, 10.5. PGA Tour. PGA Tour. Yeah, not, you said European Tour. No, European Tour. That Europe, European Tour, they don't have $10 million purses. So they have the highest one they have. I, I, the Open Championship, which kind of counts, but doesn't, 10.25. Right. The World Tour Championship in Dubai, eight million. The Ned Bank Golf Challenge, seven point five. Abu Dhabi, seven. Dubai Duty Free, seven. Italian Open, seven. Turkish Airlines Open, seven. But yes, you are correct. They don't have the only one they have is the Open Championship. Right. The money's not that big of a disparity, though. To oh. just put it all like, I mean, there's. What is the winner of their? Year end race get the race to Dubai. <laughs> not fifteen mil. They won. <laughs> How's that? How's that? But so don't look, tell me it's, it's not. It's money, dude. I guess my money. point is where Azinger is wrong is is disparaging that a win over in the European Tour doesn't mean anything because there's world class players over there. But where he's right is the PGA Tour is is the one guys want to win. Yeah, it's where everybody wants to go. Everybody wants to come to the PGA Tour because you play the best of the best. So tell me again why this PGL League then is a bad idea because you only just want to put 18 tournaments at the best of the best. You know what they ought to do? They ought to they ought to create a league, like a, 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 a televised league for like 12 handicaps. 
Joe, John, Jim, Fred, Annie, everyone, all of them. Think about that. And they had like our dumb asses calling it or even playing. <laughs> How amazing would that be? You wouldn't watch? Nah. You, you would watch. Nah. You would, I would wa- for a little bit. It would have to be, would I be allowed to talk smack? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. You'd be the course reporter. Oh, I'm, yeah. Then I'm def, I'm in. Like yeah. th- think about like our buddies playing in a televised tournament <laughs> and you would have to like the, you know, because we all know that guy at our club that that fudges the handicap. Oh, which if you're that guy, just put keep your clubs in your garage. But there's yeah. always that guy. You'd have to have your 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 handicap verified. So by more than one person. So it would be a legitimate like right, like a double digit handicap tour would be incredible. Huh. I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard to watch really good celebrities play golf <laughs> that are single digit handicaps because they're grinding so hard and trying so hard. What's, that's where the double digit only, handy. That's where the double digit handicap comes in because single handicaps take it too <laughs> are seriously. Are there spectators? <laughs> single handicaps are the caddies. Now the fun. I this is so macabre. <laughs> <laughs> the fun part of a 12 handicap tournament would be the danger the spectators were in and the danger the cameramen would be in. I know. So you would have to well, keep you all the cameras in towers. But well, here's the, yeah, but here's the other thing too. 60 degrees. You wouldn't oh, be, a, you couldn't line the ropes of a par four tee shot. You'd have to have grandstands behind the tee shot and then you would have to be at least 150 yards up. You couldn't be right around the tee box because you can't you can't take a snap hook to the jugular. <laughs> I completely agree. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.